Amen, amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor you today, Lord God. We bless your name today. We thank you because you are a good, good God. You are a good, good Father. You're a gracious, gracious King. And we are grateful to be your children, Lord, and to be allowed to be in your presence today, Lord God. We reverence, we worship, we adore, and we praise your name today, God. Thank you for gracing us today with your presence, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here now. Thank you, God, for being a good God that you are. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 to 41. And as we do that, our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. <laughs> Excited, right? It's <laughs> funny. Kids are awesome. The Bible says that they are an inheritance from the Lord. Amen. They are a treasure, glory to God. Some of them are more special than others. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We love them. Amen. Amen. All right. When you got it, say so. so. Matthew 22, verse 34 says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Lord, thank you for your word that is truth. Thank you for your grace that is here today. And Lord God, it is my prayer that we would be hearers of your word today and not hearers alone, but that we would be doers of it, that we would be faithful to respond to you in this day and that we would be obedient, Lord God, to, to, to do what you call us to do as your children. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give me, give me the wisdom and the grace to preach your word today clearly, and Lord, that you would give my brothers and my sisters hearts and ears to hear, and Lord God, the faith to respond. Lord, be glorified in and through our lives. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Someone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so, if you don't have an outline, just raise your hand really quickly so that way the ushers can get you an outline. Uh, very important for you, uh, I mean, for me, that you have the outlines. Uh, I always try to remind you of a couple of things. Number one, you can follow along in the beginning of the preaching. Just keep your hand up until the ushers bring it to you so that way they know you didn't get it. So that's one thing that is important, that you can follow along. The other thing is that there are some questions in there, such as how did the Lord speak to you? How are you going to apply this? And questions like that that are in that outline for you so that way you can answer those. And then the other thing that I always try to encourage, and I want to continue to you know, reiterate this every week, is the Bible calls all of us to make disciples. Not some of us, it calls all of us to make disciples. And a lot of times we don't know exactly what we're supposed to do in that disciple-making process. And I want 
to make it as simple as possible for you. If you're trying to help someone grow in their faith, the way that you can do that is simply to do what I do. I go into the Bible, I hear what God is saying, and then I share it with you. And so you know what you did? What you did was you came here today, and I'm not the Bible. Hello, somebody. Amen? None of that. I am not God. But here's the thing. What you are doing is you are hearing from God's Word today. Hopefully you are growing through God's Word and through the preaching and teaching of the Scriptures. And as you do that, what you do is you simply communicate what you have heard, and then you can help someone grow in their faith. And so we make that easy. And so I want you to um, be part of that process in someone's life. And so if you're not, I really, really encourage you to get into that um, process with someone. Find someone, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a family member that you can help grow in their faith because as you help them grow, I assure you, you will grow as well. And so all the hands are down and we are in our outline here. We're continuing on in our core four series. This is actually the last four sermons that we're going to preach today. It's the first of the last four. And so if you look at your outline, thus far in these in this series, we have, in, we have covered three of the four core values of Faith Doma Fellowship, loving God, growing together in love, and reaching others. And today we will begin the last leg of the core four series, Our Call to Serve. The title of this message today is Why Serve? And we want to talk about that. Why should we serve, right? What, why, why is it that we say that every week? Is it just something that we say, something that sounds nice, or is there a reason behind what we are trying to do? The reason why I chose this portion of Scripture, we're going to go to another portion of Scripture in a moment, and that's going to be Matthew chapter 10. But the reason why I chose this Scripture is because earlier on when I started this series, I said this. This is your second paragraph here. Loving God stands alone as our primary motivation for all of life and all that we do as disciples. We love God because he loved us first. And so in, in this portion of scripture that we looked at here, as we remember, many of you are familiar with it, the Pharisees, you know, they, they're always trying to trip Jesus up, asking him questions that are going to stumble him, right, or make him not be, have, or, or cause him not to have a good answer. And again, they are una, unable to do that, and so they come to him with the one question that they really feel, okay, maybe this time, you know, some, some scholars think that they were actually coming with sincerity because they have heard Jesus speaking so clearly and answering all of these questions, and so they came to him, and you know, and one, one idea is that they came to him because they wanted to really get the right answer because the truth is they wanted to hear that the other side of it is that they, you know some people think that they were just continuing to try to try to stump Jesus and what I would say is yes to both right there are probably some people that really wanted to hear what Jesus had to say and then there were definitely some people that wanted to trip Jesus up and so they come to him and they ask him what is the first command what is the greatest commandment you know what is the what is the command above every other command We've been arguing about what's, what's the most important thing to God. And God makes it clear through his son, Jesus, who communicates the most important thing to God is that you love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your being. And what we learn is that we love God not because we're so great, but it's because he's so great, right? We love him because the Bible says we love him because he loved us first. We weren't the initiators of this love. He was. And so that's the reason why we love him. But out of that love, there's some things that should flow, right? Like the natural outflow, second part of the paragraph, the natural outflow of our love for God is love for others. And that's the reason why Jesus ties this in, right? He ties this in. He says in the second command, they didn't ask him about the second command, did they? No. Nope. Right? But Jesus throws that in there. And he says something that's so important. He said, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. Right? And so the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And don't get caught up on the whole thing because I've had some people that get real crazy about the whole loving your neighbor as yourself. And so people feel like they need to be in love with themselves. Can I tell you something? You're in love with yourself whether you believe it or not. Hello. 
All right, you, you, you don't need to go an extra mile to be more in love with yourself. Hello, somebody, right? What, what, what he's saying here is the natural propensity that's within us, right? Like you would naturally, I mean, obviously as a child, you do some dumb stuff, right? I mean, as a kid, we do dumb things. Like, you know, we put our hands on hot stoves, right? You know, we'll, we, I mean, we, we will run literally, you know, my son Josiah, you know, I'm always scared, you know, when, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly telling him not in the road, right? I mean, I'm telling all the time, tell him not in the road because he runs. I mean, my son, he, he gets on a little tricycle and he goes from the top of our driveway and he picks his feet up and he just rolls down that driveway as fast as he can. And thank God he slams those feet down right when he gets to the sidewalk. But I'm always scared because, you know, kids don't have that judgment to know, hey, a car could come and kill you, right? But as you get older, some common sense things start to kick in, right? And you will not do, like, you will not walk out onto I-4 and just be like, yep, I'm going to walk out here just blindly. How many of y'all would do that? Nobody in here would do that, right? Nobody would just say, I'm just going to cross a road. I don't care what, what's happening. No, because what? Because you care about yourself, right? And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other, in other words, he's giving you the other, you know, the golden rule, which is what? To do unto others as you would have done unto you. That's what Jesus is communicating here. And so he says this to his disciples or to the people who are asking him this, and that's the natural outflow is that we love others, right? And the way, third part of this paragraph, the way we demonstrate love for our neighbors is by growing in loving, gospel-centered relationship with those who believe. And so the first thing that we said, I said this, I said this in the first, second week, that when we look at, or actually when I, in the second part of the series, when we look at the part of loving our neighbor as ourselves, right, what we see is there's three components to that. And it is the growing together component, it is the reaching others component, and it is the serving component. All of those umbrella, what I would say, is loving your neighbor. Because if you are, are, are going to be a, a person who's going to love someone, right, well, the ones that are Christian, what do you do? You grow in gospel-centered relationship with them. The ones who are not Christian, you lovingly reach them with the gospel. And those who are, you know, who, who are Christians or even non-Christians, you will do what? You will serve them with gospel motivation. That's what it says there in your outline. So those are the three things that should happen. So we should grow in gospel-centered relationship with those who believe. We should reach those with the gospel who don't believe. And we should serve with gospel motivation. Last paragraph here. Gospel-motivated gospel service is the key to the kingdom of God being extended through us. The gospel has to be the motivation of our hearts. It has to be what's motivating us. And I want you to know something. I don't know about you, but I know me. And I know that sometimes the gospel motivates me. Other times, there's other things that motivate me. Even in the things that I do, even in, in, the, in the areas where I serve, it's not always I have to wrestle with this to make sure that I repent when I recognize there's a different motivation there. You see, if the only one, now listen to me when I say this now. This, this may be controversial, but it's okay. I'm all right with that. If my only motivation for me loving and serving my wife is to make her happy, that's not the right motivation. Did you hear me? There has to be gospel motivation. I have to want to wanna please and serve my wife because I want to please and serve my God. That has to be primary, my motivation. It shouldn't be, now, now, now I know this is going to get real, real exciting right now. I shouldn't be doing stuff for my wife because I want to get something. Notice I said stuff and something. See, see plural to singular? Amen. Everybody in this room understood what I was talking about, right? That's, that's married. Amen, somebody. Right? So I, sh I shouldn't be doing stuff to get something, right? I shouldn't be doing that. That's the wrong motivation. Hello, somebody. All the ladies said? Amen. Amen. Glory. See, I got them excited. They're like, yes, Bishop. Tell them, glory to God. 
Don't, don't worry, man. I got your back. I got your back. Glory to God. I got your back, my brothers. We good. We good, right? We're learning some stuff. Some stuff. Amen. Uh-huh. Ladies, you shouldn't be giving us something because you want stuff. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Come on, all the men said. Amen. Come on now. Now listen, now listen. I had to be fair. I had to be fair, right? But the but the reality is, in all in all of this, in all in all of the, I can't even say stuff or, or things now. I gotta, I gotta use different words. Nonetheless, in all of this, right, we have to check our motivation. We have to make sure that we have the right motivation because here's the thing. If I'm motivated by, by the gospel, then I'm going to see the kingdom extended because the gospel is moving me to do things, right? So look at your um, third paragraph here. As we image our Savior through the gifts he gives us, his kingdom touches lives, whether it's for salvation or for edification, we must always check our heart motivation in all that we do. But I want you to get that. As you image your Savior through the gifts he gives us. Now, I want to talk to you about two things really quickly. And one of them is your character. The other one is your gifting, right? Your character is something that is, that is separate from your gifting. Nonetheless, it is the Holy Spirit that develops and gives them both. Are you here? What I want you to realize is that your character needs to be solid, right? Like you really need to walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You should walk in all, like those things need to be your character. That's who you are. And as you live out that character that the Spirit of God is depositing and developing in you, you're touching lives. But there is something else that I want to focus on for the next four weeks, and it is the gifts that God has given you. Because there's two groups of people in this place. There really is two groups of people. There are those people in this place that, 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 that know where they're gifted and, and either they're, you know, sitting on their gift or they're serving with their gift, one of the two. And then there are other people in the room that you don't know where you're gifted. When you hear about gifts, you're like, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't, I don't know where I'm gifted, but I want to assure you, and next week we'll dig into this a little bit deeper. What I want to assure you is that everyone who is in this place has been gifted by God for service. Are you here? Everybody in this place, now not everybody has the same gift, see, and, and, and I'll throw a third, a third group of people in here. There are those that look at other people's gifts and say, well, I don't have that gift, so that means I'm not gifted. And that's really the second group, right? They get a little confused, you know. Somebody's like, well, you know, I can't play the bass like Ozzy, so I'm not gifted. Well, hey, man, not everybody can play the bass like Ozzy. I can't play the bass like Ozzy. Hello? I'm gifted, right? I have other gifts, I have other talents, other abilities that God has given me. And what I want you to realize is that when you image your Savior, because here's what I want you to get, is that the gifts that manifest in you, they are not to bring you glory, they're to bring God glory. The gifts are not for you to walk around like you are all that and then some. The gifts are for you to point to Jesus. Whatever your gift is, it is for you to utilize it to do one thing. And that is not draw attention to yourself, but that is to point to the Savior who has gifted you. That's what I mean by imaging him. And so when you operate in your gift, you are imaging him and people are able to see Christ through you. And then either A, they are being saved because of the gift that is operating through your life, or B, they are being edified if they're already Christian and growing in the faith. And God wants us to use our gifts in service to bring people to him and help people grow up in him. Amen? Amen. All right. So the big idea that I have for you today, I'm not going to give you one for, for four weeks. The one that I have today is this. It is serving must be selfless, intentional, and sacrificial. 
This is the big idea that we want to deal with today. Serving must be selfless, intentional, and sacrificial. Now, turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 35 to verse 45, and this is what we want to dig into today. Mark, chapter 10, just one book over, verse 35 to 45. Serving must be selfless, intentional, and sacrificial. And you got to say so. And it says here, it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? Then they said to him, Grant us that we may sit, one on your right hand and, one, and the other on your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? <clears throat> they said to him, we are able, so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and, will, and, and with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, you shall, great among you shall be your servant." And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And so in that last verse, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, selfless, but to serve, intentional, and to give his life a ransom for many, sacrificial. And so what we find is that Jesus gives us the example of this big idea. That we are supposed to be selfless, we're supposed to be intentional, and we are supposed to be sacrificial in the way that we serve. That's just what Jesus shows us. He gives us this great example. What we find here is his disciples were a little bit ambitious. And is there, is there anything wrong with ambition? No. There's nothing wrong with ambition unless ambition becomes an idol. Unless you are ambitious about the wrong things, unless you are ambitious, but, but can I tell you something? Can I tell you what will help you to, to kill all of your ungodly ambitions? Give yourself to service. If you want to deal with, if you want to check where your ambitions are, do this. Decide that you are going to be the servant of all. Decide that you are going to serve, that you don't care about being seen. You don't care about getting credit for the ideas. You don't care about any of that stuff. You just want to serve. That's how you'll know where your ambitions are. That's how you will know if your ambitions are to bring glory to God or to bring glory to you. And listen, if your ambitions are to bring glory to you, it's the wrong ambition. If your ambition is just about making money, just about having that life, just about having that car, just about having that lifestyle, if, if those are your ambitions, if those are your goals alone, there's a problem. 
Our ambitions have to be, again, talk about motivation, have to be motivated by the right things. Jesus makes it clear. He tells disciples, he said, listen, those who are, look at verse 42. He said, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And so in other words, they're always telling these people, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the bishop. I'm the pastor. I'm the apostle. I'm the prophet. I'm the this. I'm the that. They lord it over. See, there's a problem with that. Jesus was never trying to lord his authority over anyone, right? He goes on to say that, I don't know do they lord it over them. He said, and their great ones exercise authority over them. And so they make sure people know they're in authority. They make sure people know, hey, man, you know, you, I'm, not, I'm not here to serve you. You're here to serve me. I'm not here to serve you. You're here to serve my agenda. They make sure that they use their authority. You know, that's the wrong mindset. And Jesus is like, look, that's not the right mindset. And here's the deal. The deal is Jesus was doing just like he does, just like we have to do in our culture today. We have to be countercultural in our mindsets. These guys came to him and they said, hey, and look, and look we got to give him credit, right? Let's give him some, some credit because they, at, the, at minimum, right, they believed that Jesus was coming into a kingdom. They believed that much. Right? So, because they asked, let us sit you know, on your right and your left hand when you come into your kingdom. So, let's not just down them, hello. Right? Let's not just beat them up and be like, man, these guys got a terrible mindset. They have a terrible heart. But, hey, at least on one side, they're believing. They're believing Jesus is going to come to his kingdom. And then, you know, like, hey, man, let me sit on the right hand, let me sit on the left hand. So, you know, everyone else can know who we are. Right? Like, we are the ones that are close to you. And Jesus is like, look, man, that's not for, that, that's not for me to give. That's for those who that has been prepared for. So what you need to do is give yourself to service. So the first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we serve because God is selfless servant. <clears throat> we serve because God is a selfless servant. We serve because God is a selfless servant. Now, look at this. We're going to look at a bunch of scriptures, and not, not a bunch, just a few, but we're going to turn to there. So turn with me to Psalm chapter 10 really quickly, and it's only about five scriptures. I just want you to look at them. Um, Psalm chapter 10, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we see something, and it's that God reveals himself as one who serves out of selfless devotion, right, the, of, his, to, of his crowning creation, and that is mankind. And so what God does is he makes himself servant of all from the Old Testament to the New. So Psalm chapter 10, and we'll look at verse 14, I believe it is. Psalm chapter 10, verse 14, look what it says here. It says, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief. To repay it by your hand, the helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So I, I love this, this scripture here. And the next one we're going to turn to is Psalm 54 and verse 4. Look what David says about God. He says this when he's speaking about the Lord. Psalm 54 and verse 4. He says there, it says, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with, is with those who uphold my life. God is my helper, and he is the helper of the fatherless. And so whenever I do premarital counseling, there's always this topic that comes up. And, you know, in our day, the word submission is like a, is like a dirty word or something like that. And so, you know, whenever we, when, whenever, you know, I mean, I literally had someone come to my office and say to me when we were talking about, you know, doing um, the marriage ceremony, you know, as long as we don't have to say, you know, all that, you know, I'm going to, you know, submit to you stuff and all of that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, time out. You know, that's not, that's not. Jesus right there right because it's become a dirty word because people misuse it even in the church it's a misused word and then when and then it gets even uglier when you go to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and you see that God creates a woman and the Bible says what he created a helper for her for him see how quiet it is the men are like I'm not saying amen the women are like I ain't saying amen 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 but here's the thing. 
What I want you to realize is that God calls himself a helper. Are you here? Is God beneath any of us? No, he's above all of us. Ladies, that doesn't mean you're above us, but here's what I'm saying. All right? Here's what I'm trying to say. What I want you to realize is that when we think of the word helper, right, or servant, right, we feel like that's a bad word, like that's someone that's low on the totem pole or something like that. But God says, no, man, I'm the helper. I make myself the helper. That's what he says that he does. And so ultimately what I try to encourage the women of when we're in our premarital counseling classes is, look, don't look at yourself as less than anything. This dude needs your help. Hello. He needs your assistance to become the man that he's going to be because without you, he can't. Hello, somebody. Right? And so ultimately, it's important for us to see this. But God reveals himself as the helper of mankind in the Old Testament, as, as David's helper. You know, David understood God to be his helper. Look at John chapter 14 in the New Testament. Let's see what Jesus says when he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. Talks about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be a helper as well. John chapter 14, and we're going to stay right here in the Gospel of John, and we're going to just turn a few pages. John chapter 14 and verse 16. When you got it, say so. And it says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Say another. Another helper that he may abide with you forever. Look over at verse 26 of chapter 14. And it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Look at chapter 15 and verse 26. It says, but, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me and look at verse 7 in chapter 16 it says nevertheless I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I depart I will send him to you and so what we find here is from the old testament to the new God is showing himself as the helper right he's, he's showing himself as this selfless servant the holy spirit is called the helper specifically I had you say another in chapter 14 verse 16 because what because I want you to realize that what Jesus is saying when he says another helper is he's showing again that he has been what? He has been the helper. He has been the one that has been serving up until this point. And so now we have the spirit of the Lord that is going to be the helper again. In this passage, Jesus clearly shows in the passage that we read in, in, uh, Matthew, in Mark chapter um Chapter 10, Jesus clearly shows that he is selfless in his servant, right? In, in his service. Turn back to Mark chapter 10. Let's read that verse one more time, verse 45. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 45. And he says this, he says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. So Jesus shows us clearly that he's selfless. He has no hidden agenda. He's not jockeying for position, but he literally relinquishes his rights as creator God to serve. Now write the scripture down if you're taking notes. Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27. Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27. Jesus, again, this is another, this is like another conversation of the same, the same topic of authority. And Jesus says something in, the, in that particular portion of scripture. He says, who's greater, the one who is seated at the table or the one who is serving? And he's like, obviously, it's the one who's seated at the table, right? That, that's common sense here. And what he's saying is that, but I'm here as one who serves. 
And so when I look at that scripture, what I notice is this, is that Jesus comes from heaven and he does what? He comes from heaven with no agenda other than to do what? To serve us, to give us a picture that Jesus had a right to sit at the table, but he chose not to so his disciples and by inference, all believers would be able to sit at the table in the kingdom that was to come. And so look at what Jesus does. Jesus comes out from heaven. He comes down from his throne. And he comes here. He doesn't sit at the table and say, hey, y'all, I'm going to teach you how to serve by serving me. I'm going to show you how to do it. As a matter of fact, look, you can shine my shoes, and I'm going to show you how to do it right because I'm going to show you every mark you missed. Hello. He doesn't do it like that. What he does is he flips the tables. He lets you sit at the table. He shines your shoes, and he shows you this is how it's done. That's what Jesus does. And that's what a servant-hearted person, and, and if you're a leader, a servant-hearted leader does. They don't just tell you and point out directions. You know, we have a lot of people that they want to be, um, you know, uh, I don't want to use the word dictator, but, you know, they want to be that. But I'll use this one. They want to be supervisors. They want to tell you everything to do. Hey, you need to do that. You need to move that here. You need to do that there. They never want to get their hands dirty. That's not servant-hearted leadership. Now listen, I get it. You know, I know, I know, you know, in certain roles that we have, you know, we need to let people do their stuff and things like that. But listen, you know, I think, I, I think it was Dave. He was talking about his job. You know, they moved him from outside to inside. And he was telling us in the men's, he's like, man, I hate that. Because he's like, I want to do something. I, I don't want us to stand around, you know, and just say, hey, man, you go ahead and dig a hole. You go ahead and do it. I want to do something, right? And so ultimately, you know, some people, they're like, nah, man, move me inside. Let me go sit down somewhere and tell everyone else what to do, right? And all I'm saying is, look, you get promoted, you better have the right mindset. You better have the right heart because you're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus wherever you get promoted. Amen? Amen. Wherever God puts you, wherever God allows you to stand, wherever God allows you to sit, it should always be to do what? To bring glory and honor to him, especially in this, in, we're having the mindset of serving. And so God has to serve no one. Get this. God has to serve no one, yet his eternal plan included his gracious service of all mankind and both the temporal and eternal things. What did he do? He meets all of our temporal needs. Listen, the reason that we're breathing today is because what? He allows us to. The reason why we have jobs that we have and we get paychecks that we get, the only reason for that is because he allows that. He provides that. But not only does he provide for our temporal needs, but he also provides for our eternal need because what? He provides for us salvation. It is all his service, his service unto us. And so what we need to do is we need to pray that we can humble ourselves and be selfless like our Savior was. If not, hear this, we will never serve unless we are getting something out of it which is selfish you see when I'm not humbled like Christ because I, I, I passed out and said it today I, I don't know when at one point he said it but he was talking or maybe he was praying or something like that but at one, he was exhorting us at some point and he, and he was talking about how Jesus died whether they were going to believe or not obviously we know that God is sovereign amen we know that God knows all things we understand being chosen and all that stuff I'm not talking about that what I'm talking about is the other side of the token, is that Jesus came here selflessly. He didn't come here. The joy set before him. You know what the joy was? The joy wasn't, you know, him sitting on his throne. That's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You know what that joy is? That joy was pleasing the Father, doing the Father's will. But also that joy was us coming to salvation. But he wasn't doing it just for himself is what I want you to see. The reality is that we, we, a lot of times, I'm going to tell you right now, some people, they'll serve until it gets too hard. Hello? Now, come on now. I've been a Christian for like 20-something years. 
I've seen a few things. I mean, I know some of y'all have seen a little more than me. Hello. But what I'm saying is, once things get rough, once things get hard, once things get difficult, I mean, I, that's it. I'm not, I, I, this is taking more out of me than it's given me. I'm just saying. This is the truth. Selfless service is not about what I get. It's about what I'm able to give. Second thing, say this with me. We serve intentionally because God serves with intentionality. We serve intentionally because God serves with intentionality. The second thing that Jesus says, he says, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. So it wasn't like he just came, you know, with, 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 with like some idea. He came here with a specific agenda, and that was to serve us. And so when we think about serving, Jesus clearly denied his rights to be served while he was upon earth, but he also committed himself to intentionally serving. I want you to get this. There is a difference between just showing up and doing something because it came up and coming with an intention to do something. That there's a difference between you walking into a mess, like, you know, you walk into a place where there's a mess, you're like, man, son, ain't nobody else going to clean this, so I'm going to clean it, right? Or you come into a place with your gloves and with all your cleaning equipment saying, man, I'm here to do a good job because I know about something that's going on. There's a difference. Now, here's what I want you to get. What I want you to get is that not every single thing that we do, not every service that we do is going to start because we know there's an issue there. But you know when we talk about us being intentional is that I'm always living with the intention to serve. I'm always doing this because what? Because we're image bearers. And so Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And so when we look at this word service, I looked it up, and I, you know, there's a whole bunch of different um, definitions. But Jesus calls us to be intentional as we serve. Our lives should be given to serving. So in Greek culture, as in our days, serving wasn't looked upon as dignified. Plato said this. He said, how can a man be happy when he has to serve someone? How can a man be happy when he has to serve? Well, in, other, in other words, we're not here to serve others. We're here to be served. And even like this, here, here, here's what humanism says. We're, we're, we're here to serve our own desires. You see, this is why you got to check your motives. Let me tell you why you, got, why, why, why you and I have to check our motives when we serve. Because sometimes we are serving not because we really want to glorify God, because we feel good about ourselves. That's the other thing. It hurts. Oh, yeah, it hurts, but I feel good because I know I did something good, right? That's atheism, right? That's what atheism says about morality, right? I'm not doing it to glorify God. I'm doing it because it feels good. You see, doing good to other people, it feels good. And so for us as Christians, can I tell you something? There are plenty of times, and I told you earlier, I got to check my, my, my motivations all the time. There are plenty of times that I'm doing something sacrificial, and I'm not smiling inside. I'm not excited. I'm upset. I don't want to do this. I have the wrong attitude. I mean, come on. I, I go down the list of how terrible I am. Hello. Just in my heart, right? But you'll never know that. I'm here to serve. Amen. Glory to God. You know, whatever it is, my wife will know. Glory to God. She'll know for sure. But the, the, the thing is, we got to check our motives, right? So when we look at this, you know, Plato, he's talking about, so, you know, people start serving because it feels good, not because it brings glory to God. Not because of that. And so when we look at this word serving in our culture, you know, it's the same way. We don't think about serving. I mean, everybody, I don't know, not too many people. There may be some people, but very few people want to be the second guy. Hello. If they want to be the second guy, it's only because of one thing, because the first guy usually gets fired. Hello. Right? 
So I'd rather not be the first one because I'm going to lose my job if things go wrong. But no, nonetheless, you know, we want the paycheck of the first guy. Hello, somebody. Come on now. Right? We want some of those perks that the first guy gets. And so ultimately, right, we, we, wanna, we, we don't want to just be the lowest guy on the totem pole serving. I mean, Jesus said some pretty intense words to his disciples. He said, if you want to be first, what did he say? Be slave. Be slave of all. This would, these are Jesus' words. You want to be great? Be servant of all. I mean, those are big words. He's like, yo, if you want to be here, you need to go here. Like those are huge differences that he makes here. And so when we look at the words for service, right, there, there's different words here that, that they have different meanings, right? There's one, dioleo, I'll give you this one, um, um, or, or dulio is the way, that it's, the way that it's pronounced in the Greek. And this one means to serve as a slave. The stress of this word is subjection, right? The next word is, is, is therapeo, and this one means emphasizes willingness to service and the respect and the concern thereby expressed. So it's something that is towards God, right? There's a willingness in this service, right? Again, aligning kind of with the subjection, with the respect, but also having the concern with what we're doing, like we want to do things right. Then the other one is letreo, and this one means to serve for wages. So this is what most of us do on a weekly basis. You are at your job serving for wages. Amen. Right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? A worker's worthy of his wages. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's the thing. The problem is when you, when you will not go above and beyond what you're getting paid to do, that's showing me you got an issue with your heart. It's always checking our hearts. It's always checking our motivations, right? That, we, that, that we're not willing to, listen, you won't get there five minutes early. Hello. You get there five minutes late. You won't help someone else out for whatever reason. You won't, you won't stay late because, nah, that ain't my job, right? Listen, I've been there, done that, hello. And it happens all the time, all over the place. You know, I, t I think I told you all the story one time when I, when, I, when I was the men's ministry leader in the beginning, um, first started the men's ministry. I used to get upset, man. I would get really bothered because I would set up the chairs every week. And I was like, does, does everybody just think these chairs just jump out of this closet onto this floor? Like, can I get a brother to just offer, yo, Bishop, can I come help you out? And I'm like, hello, get someone. But anyway, glory to God, right? I'm trying to be a servant. See, I'm smiling. I'm like, glory to God. Hey, God bless you guys. How you doing? Man? I'm glad you made it today. Can you help me with some chairs? Glory to God. That's the reason why at the end of every class, I say, hey, can I get the guys to help me out? Because I'm like, I'm going to let them know that I need some help. Because I realize, ask and you shall receive. Amen. Glory to God. People don't read minds, right? They think you like taking out chairs, glory to God. So anyway, you know, I don't care about taking out chairs. But I was like, you know, I, I, I'll confess my sin to you, so hopefully you get delivered. But, you know, nonetheless, you know, <laughs> amen. So I know I got delivered. So all, all, that, all that being said, right, we have, we, we, have, we have to do what? We have to check our heart, you know, our motive, right? Okay, so we have the, the part of submission or subjection. We have the part of respect and, and the service. And then we have the part that we're doing it for wages. And then in the New, in, in the New Testament, the word that's here that Jesus is using, is the word diaconeo, and that is the word where we get deacon from, and, and it has a special quality of indicating very personally the service rendered to another. In diaconeo, there is a stronger approximation to the concept of service in love. And so these other ones, one of them may have been, been done because you understand someone's authority over you. The other one may have been done because, you, you know, there, 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 there's this, you know, some, or submittedness that you have, this, you know, willingness to serve. And then there's this other one, you know, you might just be a servant type of person. And then there's the ones you serve for wages. But then, diaconeo is the one that's showing us that we serve motivated by love. 
Because what? God is love, right? So he's our motivation. That's the reason why we do the things that we do for the glory and for the honor of Jesus. And so here's what I want you to get. I said this a little bit earlier. I just reiterate it. Not all serving starts with intention. In other words, you may show up, you know, uh, you know at, at some point, and I'll g- give you an example. When I was, when I was um, before I became a youth pastor and our, our, the church, it was going through a building project. And we, went through, we were going through the building project. We used to have Wednesday night services. And Wednesday night services required us to have a sound system set up. And so, you know, I used to, I, I was off on Wednesdays, and so I would come to church. And I came to church one day, and I wasn't intentionally trying to learn sound. That wasn't my intention. I wasn't intentionally trying to set sound up. But I happened to come there, and I was like, man, we need sound, and I have good hands, and I think I could figure this out. And I figured it out. Thank God I didn't blow anything up. Hello. And then when the, when the real sound guy, you know, got there and he saw what I did, you know, I didn't blow anything up. He was like, well, this guy has some potential. And so he showed me how to set up the sound. The point is, it didn't start with an intention of me walking in the building saying, hey, I want to go ahead and learn sound. It started me just walking in the building, but I was this. I was available and I was willing to accomplish what needed to be accomplished with the right motivation, pleasing the Lord and helping others. I, was, I had that. Not perfectly. But I had that motivation, right? Like that was there for me. And so we need to check ourselves on that. Our desire must be to intent to be intentional in our service by having our hearts motivated by the gospel, leading us to availability and willingness when needs arise. And so we have to say, okay, God, I'm available to you and I'm willing to serve wherever you want me to serve. And here's the thing. When we have that mindset, then when the opportunities arise, guess what? We're not grudging. We're not kicking. We're not screaming. We're not whining. We're setting up chairs. <laughs> With a smile on our face and a smile in our hearts. Amen. Glory to God. Third thing. Say this with me. We serve sacrificially because Jesus served sacrificially. We serve sacrificially because Jesus served sacrificially. Look at the last part of that verse. Jesus says what? He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, so he's selfless, but to serve with intention. And the last one, to give his life as a ransom for many, sacrificially. Jesus clarifies the level of his service and the purpose. What does he say? It's to death and it's for others. It's to death and it's for others. That's the level of his service. He says, I'm here to serve until I die. And it's not for me, it's for you. That's my service. That's my level of service. And so Jesus calls us, hello, to a high standard because he's telling his disciples, do what? Imitate me. I didn't come to be served. I came to to serve. So it was to death. Jesus served those who could never pay him back, praise him enough, or have done for themselves what he did for them. I love that. He does for them what they could never do for themselves. You guys hear the gospel week in and week out, that we are born into sin. Pastor Aldo reiterated today beautifully as he did communion, <clears throat> and he makes it clear for us so we understand what? That we are born into sin. We are separated from God, and as we grow, we do what? We continue to rebel. We continue to disobey. We continue to dishonor God, and so not only are we sinners by birth, we are sinners by choice. And because of our sin, the Bible says what? It says that sin separates us from God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? It is eternal life in Christ Jesus. 
And so he shows us that it's appointed unto man once to, to die and then the judgment. And if we die without putting our faith in Christ, we spend eternity separated from God. And here's the deal. No matter how good we think we are, no matter how many good things we think we do, no matter how amazing we think we are in this life, we can never measure up to God to the degree that we can appease him and say, hey, I'm holy enough. The beauty of it is, is that that is not where the gospel ends, but the gospel continues with this beautiful proclamation that God comes to this earth to give his life a ransom for us so that we can have eternal life. So he can wipe the slate clean, so he can give you a new name, so he can give you a new hope, so he can give you new life, and so that way you and I can spend eternity with him forever glorifying and honoring his name. That's a beautiful thing. And so we see this clearly pointed out in the gospel. We, we understand that this is what Jesus did. We couldn't do it for ourselves, so he does it for us. See, Jesus humbled himself. Now look what this means. Relinquishing his right to be served while he deserved most to be served. Did you get that? He deserves most to be served, and yet he relinquishes his right and says, Nope, I'm going to go ahead, and I am going to be the one that's going to serve. He relinquishes that right. He took on the flesh of man while he was still God. He said, you know what? I'm going to take off this, this glory that I have, and I'm going to put on this flesh, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to live this life for them. He doesn't only do that, but he also does what? He took on the position of a servant while he was still the king. And does what? He sacrificially served us, laying down his life in humiliation and rejection and excruciating death, never turning back. Look at that. Never turning back. I came to give my life as a ransom for many. To be sure, Jesus questioned the Father. I want you to understand this, y'all. When we talk about serving, because the last message that I'm going to preach on this is going to be that serving is sacrifice. And we're going, to draw, we're going to draw that point home. But what I want you to get is this, is that when we talk about serving, I don't want you to think that it's not hard. I don't want you to think that you shouldn't be, look, if you're really serving, you should be questioning sometimes. If you're, if you're really serving, there should be some conversations you and Jesus have. Maybe you and your wife have. I don't know, you know, maybe you and your pastors have or your leaders have. There should be some things. I'm just letting you know. I'm telling you from a leadership place. I, I mean, I've been in leadership here for 13 years, for another, you know, five years in the church that I come from. And so for all of this time, what I want you to know, there have been plenty of questions. Hello? There have been plenty of moments that I'm like, yep, I'm giving, I'm, 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 I'm turning in the towel right now. I'm I'm done. There have been plenty of moments I've been done. Hello, somebody. I might be done right after this service. I don't know. If y'all don't tell me I preach good, I might just be, I'm done with this. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not really joking. I mean, and I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm really just kidding. But, I can, you know, the, the, the point of the matter is, you want, you, you want to know, you, the, the, the statistic is, you know, you know what is the day that pastors quit the most? You know what day it is? Monday. Why? I thought Sunday was glorious for you. But after Sunday, they go home and they're like, man, they wake up Monday morning like, I'm worn out. I could do something else. I'm not that dumb. That's what they think. And they're like, I'm not dealing with this anymore. And they walk away. Thousands of pastors a day quitting. I'm not telling you this because I need to, you know, oh, Bishop, no, come on now. Pray for me, please. Don't pity me. I love my job, even though I want to quit sometimes. 
Even though I pray and I'm like, Father, is there another way? Is there someone else? I'm getting, I'm like, I'm getting closer. I'm getting close to that age, you know? But here's what I want you to understand. This is what I know is Jesus said until death. He said until death, he was giving his life for us, never turning back. He questioned the father, but what did he do? He submitted to the will of the father despite the agony of his soul to the will of the father to do what? To redeem us. You see, the joy set before him, right? This joy that was set. He understood, man, this suffering is only temporary. What does Romans chapter 8 say? It says that the present suffering is not to be compared with the future glory. That is a promise, a prophetic promise for us. That no matter how hard our serving is, look, it is only for a season. It may seem like a long time. Hello. But later on, there's a glory that's going to be reaped and we are going to be overwhelmed by it. Turn with me to one last scripture, and I'm going to close with this. 1 John. Not the gospel of John, but the epistle of John. 1 John. First John chapter 3. And I want you to <clears throat> hear the words of the Apostle John as he's speaking to the church. First John chapter 3, verse 16. He says this. He says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. Now just pause there. Don't read the rest of the verse yet. I know you already did, but just stop. <laughs> Bishop, you read slow. Listen, I know you're hungry. Just stick with me. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. How do we know love? We know love through the cross. We know love through the sacrifice of Jesus. The way that we really know love is because of the demonstration that there is. That's how we know love. That's how we as believers know what love really is. Because we look at the cross, we look at what Jesus did. You know how we know, and, and look, and, and, and kids, kid, you know, kids, we, we, we as kids did not get this, right? Our children may not get this either. They don't understand the sacrifices that parents make. And really, most of the time, children don't really appreciate their parents. I mean, y'all can attest to this. Until what? They start making sacrifices of of, of on their own. So they start to recognize those sacrifices. That's when they really understand, man, my parents did love me all this time. I can't wait till I'm 18 so I can leave. Let me pack your bag for you. Let me have it ready for you. Let me hook you up. I'm a, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you a month's free rent, glory to God, wherever you go. And then after that month, it's you, you on your own. Hello, somebody. Right? Coming back home and just like, man, I love you. Thank you so much. It's a rough world. Uh-huh. I know some of y'all are just hard. My parents ain't like that. It ain't like that. Whatever. In the flesh. But anyway. Listen. The deal is, we know love because of what? He laid down his life for us. But then look at this. Now that we know this love, he says what? And we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. Did you hear the call? Jesus says, I am the example of love. The cross is the example of love. And now, here's the deal. Now that you know love, show love. Now that you know love, show love. And how do you show love? 
by laying your life down. Now listen, John the Apostle had no hair on his tongue when he, when he wrote these words, right? Or on his pen, hello, right? No hair on his pen. As he, as he wrote these words, he said, and you lay down your life for the brethren. In other words, the same way that Jesus was until death, it's until death. The same way that Jesus didn't give up, even though he questioned, the same way that he did, the same way I want you to do that. He says this, he says, but whoever, verse 17, he says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Verse 18 says, my little children, let, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this, verse 19, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. What I want you to get here from that last verse that we read is that serving until death is not something that God God suggest he said love and he showed us what love was like and so he said he was gonna he said that we are to do what to lay down our lives for the brethren listen you want to know the reason why I accepted the call to preach the gospel it's not just because I think I'm a great preacher no it is nothing like that it's not because you know I want people to be staring at me all the time because I want some kind of title it is because I recognize that the gift that God has given me it is not for me to just preach to myself in a closet or look at myself in a mirror and impress myself that's not what it's for it is for me to preach unto those that are hearing and that way they can be built up they can be edified they can be strengthened and they can be what empowered to serve and, and that way they can live the way that God wants them to listen I want you to know serving and I'm going to say this again and again and again in the next three weeks so don't so don't don't get tired of it serving is sacrifice and it hurts but can I tell you something God's grace is sufficient yes yes God's grace is sufficient and listen, you can never outserve God. And he would, never out, he would never ask you to serve him at a greater capacity than he already served you. And so our motivation has got to be the gospel. And so here it is, my closing questions for you. Number one is, are you serving? That's the first question. And, in, and that's a big one because there's some people that they don't serve because, you know, they've been hurt. They've heard stories, you know, they've experienced some stuff. And so now, nah, man, I'm not serving. So my question is, are you serving? And if you say, no, I am not serving, and I'm going to ask you, why are you not serving? And if the reason is not, now hear me, I'm going to give you one reason why you can say, I'm not serving, and I'm going to be okay with that. And when I say I, it's not about me, it's about God anyway. There's only one reason why you can be okay with not serving. It's because you don't know where you're gifted. And if you don't know where you're gifted, all right, Pastor Aldo, he's got a nine-week class, and he's going to help you out. Hello, somebody. If you are serious and say, you know what, God, I want to serve, but I don't know where I'm gifted, well, you know what, we'll help you out. We'll hook you up. We'll take you through nine weeks, and by the end of those nine weeks, I'm pretty sure you will have figured it out. If you haven't, we'll sit down with you and we'll help you a little further along the way. But if there's any other reason why you're not serving, right, and I'm not talking about, you know, just, you know, taking a season, a sabbatical. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff, man. I'm talking about you just not serving, right? So if you're not serving, there, there, there's the first question. The second question is, are you intentional and sacrificial in your service? 
In other words, are you serving to the best of your ability? Are you serving with all that you have? Are you serving with all of your heart? Are you sacrificial in your service? Like, I mean, does it hurt? And if it hurts, it's okay. It's okay. It's supposed to. And the last question is this, is are your motives right in your service? Are you serving because Bishop is saying it's supposed to hurt us, so I'm just going to keep serving? <laughs> That's what some people are. I'm just going to keep serving, whatever. Now, now I'm stuck serving. Like, really? Serious? Bishop said it's going to hurt, so I'm just going to get... No, no, no. Are your motives right? Is the gospel... Listen, is the gospel... I had, I had a conversation with someone who I love dearly. I won't tell you who they are. But they were telling me their motivation for serving was wrong. And, you know, that they were going to sit down from what it, what it was that they were doing. And, I, and, I didn't, and, and this is someone that I could easily say to them, you know, go ahead, just, just have a seat. You know, but your motivation is wrong. And you want to know what my, my encouragement was? I said, you know, man, you really need to step up in your prayer life. You really need to step up in your word life. You need to be in the scriptures. You need to be allowing God because you know what? I Listen, I'm not talking to you from a glass house. I'm talking to you from experience. When, when You know what I want to quit the most is when I pray the least. It's when I'm in the word the least. I'm just being real with you. When, I, when I'm slacking, that's when I want to quit the most. I'm like, man, I could do something different. Hello. But when I'm in the word, when I'm in prayer, when I'm in worship, it doesn't mean that the sacrifice doesn't, I don't feel it. It just means that I have the grace and the motivation to continue through it. And so is our motivation right? So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet and invite the music ministry to come forward. <clears throat> There's a song that we're going to introduce today. And it's entitled Everything or Nothing Less. you to bow your hearts before the Lord bow your heads right where you're at and as you think about these questions about serving as we sing this song I just want you to just come before God and say God here I am before you humble myself in your presence Lord I know that serving is not some advice that you give it's not a it's not a request that you make it's a command in your word Father I humble my heart before you today. Thank you, Jesus. Humbly I stand. 